Dear friends, says Peter, this is now my second letter to you, and I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate, stimulate you to wholesome thinking. That's 2 Peter 3, verse 1. Wholesome thinking. It's not just a title, a fun title, a, a clever title that we've thought of. It's Peter using his words as he desperately wants his readers to get clear. What does wholesome thinking look like? Think clearly. Won't you stop and think for a minute? Use that brain of yours and think. Slow down and think about it. They're just a few of the phrases that I can recall over our experience of homeschooling and lockdown. And not me to my children, that's Kerry to me, as I have desperately tried to homeschool. What does wholesome thinking look like? Is Peter saying, stop a moment, come on, think clearly, come on, won't you stop and think for a minute? Is he giving us a bit of a clout? What is he doing? What, what sense is Peter writing within? Well, to Peter is dubbed as Peter's farewell letter to the same group of churches that he wrote to before. And he leaves, he wants to leave his readers with the exaltation to think clearly about the grace of God, which prepares the believer to live well in this life and then leads to the next. And so it's written by Peter and it's Peter that we know so well. We know him pretty well, don't we? However much Bible reading you've done, you will know of Peter, Simon Peter, one of the disciples. I wonder how you view Peter when you think about Simon Peter. If you've watched the series The Chosen, I think that series depicts him pretty well. How do you think of him at the moment? Brash, outlandish, daring, outspoken. There he is trying to walk on the water to get to Jesus. There he is stubbornly refusing Jesus to wash his feet. There he is making the bold claim that he'll never desert Jesus. There he is with fire blazing in his eyes, strikes and slashes off the ear of the high priest, servant in the garden. There he is in the courtyard when the cock crows, denying that he ever knew Jesus. And there he is on the beach as Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? Peter is as real as they come. He's as close to Jesus as any. And he's written two letters. The first letter, uh, remember if you can, if you were with us at Town Church, we looked at this. <clears throat> and he wrote to those that were scattered, persecuted around the area of modern day Turkey. And that book was all about the pressures from outside, bearing, heavy, persecuting scattering those Christians and Peter wanted to encourage them and to Peter it's more about problems from within one Peter pressures from outside two Peter problems from within in a couple of weeks we'll meet head-on the problems from within and it's worth reading if you can in quiet times whatever that looks like for you it's worth reading to Peter just to get your head around it because here's the thrust thrust of the problems from within there's false teachers who are saying listen Jesus isn't coming back 
Now, you cannot be certain that he's coming back. Therefore, there is no judgment that will take place. And therefore, live as you want. Don't worry about how you're living. We'll think clearly uh, in a few weeks of how Christian leaders today use their place of authority to, to misuse their power and how we should think clearly about them. Peter's saying there's a real need, dear readers and dear town church, to think clearly. I have written to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. And therefore, in light of the thrust of the false teachers, what he's saying is, look, got to remember salvation. You've got to remember the promises that have been made to you. Think wholesomely about how God has won you through Christ. Think clearly without clouded judgment. So much danger that we easily forget. And Peter's then saying in light of the false teachers who are saying no judgment, live as you want. Peter's saying, no, 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 hold on to God's word. You know it's true. There's the fount of all knowledge, Peter's saying. Think about it. Ponder on it. Wrestle with it. Because there's a danger it loses its place. And then, kind of lastly, in relation to how the false teachers are teaching, Peter's saying, look, think about the way you live, you act. Think about the way you speak. Because there's a danger that you get sucked into the world's ways, the world's priorities, the world's lies. To Peter is a good book for Town Church Bista to be studying and thinking clearly about in 2021. And just a note before we finish the intro to 2 Peter, perhaps the title of this series hasn't floated your boat, Wholesome Thinking. Perhaps you're sitting there thinking, oh, listen, I'm no thinker. I'm more of a doer. This book isn't for me. This book is for you. Look, it's not written to the scholar, the theologian, the professor in his ivory tower to accumulate more knowledge. It's not for that. Person that never sees the light of day, that just ponders over books. No, no, this is written for us. Whatever your knowledge of the Lord Jesus is, it's for us to think more clearly. So that our wholesome thinking changes the way that we live, think more clearly, not puff ourselves up with more and more knowledge, think more clearly. And so tonight, let's have a look in three smaller sections. Uh, as Josh has read it for us, um, here are the headlines if you want. We're going to remember the way into salvation, verses one to four. We're going to know the way on in salvation in verses five to nine. And then we're going to look forward to the end goal of salvation in verses 10 to 11. That's where we're heading. So let's dive in. Uh, one, remember the way into salvation. Let's go verse one. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Look, here's how Peter starts. He lays down his credentials. It doesn't come at the end of normal letters as we send them today. Well, we never send letters, do we? But at the bottom of emails, 
there's your credentials, whatever they may be, just your name or your job title underneath. This is how letters were written in those days. The sender writes the name and here's the credentials, writes the name right at the beginning. And he says, look, I'm a servant and I'm an apostle. The word servant there, the Greek word doulos is slave. I'm actually a slave and an apostle. An apostle is one commissioned by Jesus to speak with authority of Jesus. So it's a funny combo, isn't it? I'm, I'm a slave to Jesus. Look, I, I just desperately want to serve him with all my being. And yet I've been given authority by him to speak good news from him on his behalf. He's bound to Jesus. And yet he's one who's given a, a apostolic authority. And see how then he addresses those who he writes to. He uses salvation language to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That's who he's writing to. In First Peter, we've said it, they're scattered, they're persecuted. We don't know of their exact situation in light of that persecution. But what we do know is that there's trouble from within. We know that. And so right at the beginning, he's making this pretty certain and obvious. He's saying, do not forget, look who you are. Remember who you are. Do not forget what has happened to you if you trust in Jesus. And so easily that can happen to us. Don't forget, says Peter, that the righteous nature of the perfect son of God, Jesus Christ, has provided the basis for my faith. Don't forget that righteousness. His perfect nature is now my standing before a holy God. Don't forget that. We've talked often about that great exchange and Peter, without writing this exactly, he just assumes that they know it to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's quite simple. It's it's the great exchange. Look. Here's me. And here's the Lord Jesus. Perfect, clear, righteous, holy, me, mucky, stinking, filthy, dirty, rotten. I could go on. Well, Joe's prayer was outstanding in the way that he helped me view me. Look what happens with our standing before God. Not only does the Lord Jesus take my sin, but he gives me himself. So it's a complete reversal. It's a complete exchange. He takes my sin. I get his righteousness. Now back to my face. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, carry on. <laughs> Look, in verse four, he uses the same language. You see that? Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. He's helping them understand again their salvation through the glory and goodness of God. We have his very great and precious promises that enable us to partake in the divine nature, to know God, to be treated 
like Jesus, as the son of God, to be enabled to live as those who have escaped. Wonderful. Just wonderful truth. We heard this morning, it was just so clear. We've now got everything because of what Jesus has done. Everything you need for salvation to live out your salvation. Verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. This is who you are. You've now got everything because of the work of Christ. You've been given everything to go and live. And perhaps you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't get what I'm going through at the moment, thanks. You don't get what work is like for me. It's a real struggle. You don't get what lockdown has looked like with family, with children. Look, you don't get the loneliness that I'm feeling. I don't get that. I want to confess, I, there's no way that I get a situation. There's no way. But, 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 but here Peter's saying, look, whatever situation it is, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He's given us everything for the situation today and tomorrow to go and live. Look, here's a, a second point as we wrap up kind of this first point. Sorry, it's the first point, but it's a second part of this. Look back to verse two with me for a moment. No, sorry, verse one. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Okay, so righteousness, you've been made righteous and you've been given a faith, a precious faith, as precious as ours. And this is important, really important. Peter reminds them that faith is not bought. Faith is not gained. Faith is not earned by merit or good deed. How do we believe how do we trust in these promises of God? We receive. Do you see that? We, you, you have received a faith as precious as ours. Faith is a gift of God. Peter calls it a precious gift, and it's a, a leveler as a gift. Jewish Christian, Gentile Christian, which Peter has dealt with before. He's saying this precious gift, whoever you are, it's like ours. It's the same as ours. And it confirms our status of, as people of covenant community. Those who receive these very great and precious promises. Throughout these verses, Peter uses the word called. You've been called. Faith is received and you've called. We see it in verse 3. We see it in verse 10. And it's a crucial word that's so linked to receiving faith. You've been called. It's not like a, a call of an owner of a dog. Sometimes the dog comes, 
Sometimes it doesn't. Now, some of you dog owners will be like, oh, that's not like me. When I call, it comes every time. But when I'm out running, uh, usually nine times out of ten, when the owner calls the dog back from chasing me, uh, he doesn't bother. He carries on chasing me. And Peter's not using this kind of, you were called and will you come or won't you? No, no, when you received faith, Peter's saying it's, it's, it's an effectual calling, it, that, it's, that you can't help but move. You can't help but be drawn to God. It's the call of God in my life that I couldn't control. It's the time he pulled me to himself, the time he gave me the gift of grace. I just listened. I just received. It's like he had me on the lead. Dog owner has the dog on the lead. He just pulls it and it comes. That's calling. That's the gift of faith. And Peter's saying to his readers, to us at Town Church, this is who you are. And then in verse two, he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. Because that's what you've got. That's what I've got. Think clearly about your salvation. Remember the way into salvation. Is Peter's first punch. Good punch, friendly punch, encouraging punch to the readers that he's writing to. I'm going to stop for 30 seconds so that you would consider, if you're a Christian, what he has done. Okay, remember the way into salvation, verses one to four. Now, Peter talks about know the way on in salvation, how we continue in salvation, verses five to nine. He starts this section. Uh, look down if you've got a Bible. Keep your Bible open. Um, do, please. He starts in verse five. He says, look, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Uh, for this reason, what reason? Well, now you participate in the divine nature. You are his through the gift of faith. You see that now because of the gift, for the reason then of this gift. Now, now what? Now make every effort to add to your faith. And as you read that, at first glance, does it not seem a little contradicting to what he spent the first four verses stating? Well, there's nothing that you've brought to your salvation. We've talked about that. Faith is just receiving a gift. We've talked about calling. It's effectual. You can't help but turn. Now see what he says. Make every effort to add to your faith. What does Peter mean? Well, let's work out what he's not saying. He's not saying that now you've been given the gift, you need to add to it, to make it up, to top it up, to make sure that the gift is a real gift and he's not saying that that this is kind of something added to the gospel like gospel plus that the gospel isn't quite enough you need to do more or have more to be really saved Peter's not saying that 
It's not like a, a remote control car for Christmas that you need to add the batteries to in order to make it work. Peter's not saying that. So what is he saying? He's saying, now you've been given the gift of salvation. Now you've been given a, a gift of faith. Respond to it in the right way. Now you've been given the remote control car. The batteries are already in place in the car and in the remote control. What's the right response? Go and drive it. Go and get amongst it. Go and enjoy it. Look, it wasn't a remote control car for us this Christmas, but it was a BB-8. And you see what Peter's saying? <laughs> this is what it means and this is what it looks like. Now that you've been given a gift, go on, Tommy. Go and play with it. It's yours. It's all of yours. Now, it wouldn't be right if you just left it in the box. Go and make use of it. Go and enjoy it to the full. That's what Peter's saying when he says, make every effort to add to your faith, to go and let your faith work out into everyday life. He's saying that a response, the, respond to the gift in the right way. That's the call. Your faith is a gift and it enables you to live rightly. So make every effort. Work hard to live out your faith. And here's the list of things we're to work hard at. There is a call to work hard. You get this right, don't you? That it's not work hard to enter into God's presence to be right with God. It's, that's a gift of faith. That's effectual calling. Now work hard. Now work hard to live out your faith. Now work hard to participate in this divine nature that you've been given. And so here's the list. Uh, we'll see it on the PowerPoint. Let's rush, not rush through them, but let's move through them fast. Look, he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. That word goodness, it's all that God is. Verse three, we've seen that word who called us by his own glory and goodness. So the question is, can the goodness of God be seen in you? The kindness of God be seen in you? The care of God be seen in you? What are you working on within your character to produce more wholesome goodness? And then, and to goodness, knowledge. Crucial for Peter. Knowledge, clear thinking, four times, verses two, verse three, verse five, verse seven, this word knowledge appears. A knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the desire to know him more. It could be that you need to know more of him, but probably Peter's saying that it's, it's, it's more to grow closer to him as you get to know him better to walk with him as you know him more. Carson, in his book, A Call to Spiritual Reformation, he says this, the one thing we need most urgently in, the, in Western Christianity is a deeper knowledge of God. We need to know God better. How is your walk with God? Are you knowing him? Are you walking with him? And add to knowledge then perseverance simply means remaining faithful 
in every circumstance. Remain true to him. And to perseverance, godliness. And everything we need to live a godly life back in verse 3. Can godliness be seen in you? And to godliness, mutual affection. That word actually is brotherly love. I think it was read uh, by Josh in a different version, but that's all right, because that's what it means. It means Philadelphia. That's the word. It's, it's brotherly love. You're loving and caring those around you, your partner, your husband, wife, your family, children. What does it look like to live out your faith? Go and work out your salvation. And then the climax, love. It's the climax and summary of all other qualities. How is your love for the Lord Jesus, the people in town, church, Bista, and beyond? How is it? Look in verse eight and nine, Peter then sums it up. Look, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sin. Please get this, dear friends. With the gift of faith that I've been given, my status is secure, totally secure. But now, Peter urges me, grow increasingly in these things. See what they prevent if I'm growing increasingly in these things? They prevent me from being ineffective and unproductive. Funny words, those to be found in the Bible, aren't they? Usually words found in business meetings. Ineffective, unproductive. Peter's using them right here. He's saying, here's the danger. Here's the danger. You could go on living your life as a Christian being unproductive, ineffective. Pretty useless Christian, Peter's saying. As I grow blind and nearsighted, not able to see clearly, Peter simply saying, forgetting the most important thing that has happened, my forgiveness of sins, Peter's saying. And so therefore, on the flip side, do you see how effectiveness and productivity are measured in the Christian life? They're measured on the basis of becoming more like Jesus. <laughs> All these qualities describe Christ. And so be careful not to fall into the traps. Be careful that you don't think that my effectiveness as a Christian is about how clever I am or become or how I'm able to articulate in speaking of the gospel, or, or how smart my thinking is in the way that I, I use my apologetics. They're not bad things. <laughs> they're good things to work on, but they're not the measurement. They're not the measurement of effectiveness or productivity. See, my productivity as a Christian is not measured in how many people I tell about Jesus, how often I read the Bible, how many town church prayer meetings I'm able to get along to, all really good things. My productivity and effectiveness is measured by moment by moment, decision-making, clear thinking, wholesome thinking, 
to be more like the Lord Jesus. We have his divine power to live out his divine nature. It's ours. It's mine. So when I'm in the office, I have his divine power to live out the divine nature, to be more like Christ. And when I'm at home with the babies uh, or the toddler or, or the sleepless nights, I have the power, the divine power through the divine nature that I've got to become more like Christ. On the school run tomorrow morning, the panic sets in. In all the mundane and the spring clean that's coming up, in it all, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly affection, love, I got it all. But Peter says, I need to think clearly about this and work hard. Work really hard. Think wholesomely. Work hard to let Christ reign and rule. To become more like him. And then the third section. And all I'm doing is giving you the headline. Because in a few weeks we really do major on it. Look forward to the end goal of salvation verses 10 and 11 let me read the verses to you therefore my brothers and sisters make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ make every effort to confirm your calling how do we make our salvation more certain we can't. We can't. All I have is Christ. So be all the more eager. Go on. He has called you. He has chosen you. There's danger that the Christians can stumble and fall. It says it there. No desire to relive in response to grace. You will fall. But there's a welcome that awaits you. So go in. Accept faith. It's yours. It's all yours. Go and work hard to live it out. And what a welcome awaits you when we get to heaven. Shall we sing? Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. But it's this Christ that enables me to live for him. You get that. It's so tightly knitted together. So as town church, would we sing well? And would we say to Christ, please, Lord Jesus, help me to live for you tonight, tomorrow. And the day after, thinking clearly about what a life lived out in Christ looks like. Let's sing this great song together.